You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the Emergency Podcast Network. Chris Anderson, fresh cut. Things are happening so fast today that this is legitimately true. In the amount of time that I went for a run and went to the gym, thing I do daily, as you know, because this always seems to interrupt our workflow. Um, the women's basketball coach of 21 years resigned, retired. Two starting basketball players transferred. And not only that, but the basketball players transferred in such a manner that I was in the car on the way back to my house when you told me about Isaiah Cottrell going into the portal and say, can you do something? I'm about to go get a haircut. And I said, no, I'm in my car. You said, I got it. Don't worry. I got to my house, which is not far from the gym. It was after your haircut time. And I'm feverishly texting you saying, did you say anything about Bridges? And by the time that you got out of the chair, <laughs> Jalen Bridges had entered the transfer portal. Um, that's a lot of news in a day. And here's the weird part. People do clamor for emergency podcasts. I don't know if Kobe Johnson is going to be on the team by the time that we publish this. <laughs> I don't I don't know if Seth Wilson is going to let me go get a coffee later with my wife. This is just a strange thing. It's the phenomenon in college sports in 2022. Uh, I wrote this today. It's driving fans bonkers. It's a problem that schools are somehow going to have to reconcile. And I don't know, one, if they know that, and two, if they know what to do with that. We have a large tree with a lot of branches here. I don't know where to begin. And I don't want to begin. I'm going to let you go first, Chris Anderson. How do we begin to unpeel this? Can I start by saying I'm asking, I'm wondering, did you have like a a spidey sense this morning? Because for those that don't know, I mean, Mike and I are different spots and and we do our own thing. Like we kind of semi-orchestrate what's going up on the site. I mean, we kind of have our our own little times when we put stories up, when we're doing regularly scheduled programming, if you will. but it, it's not like one of us is checking up on the other to make sure they're doing their work at any time, right? Like we don't. I'm like, hey, do you have your stories? Or are you like, hey, are you writing this? And we don't usually do that. It, and then you sent me a, a a message this morning, being like, hey, I got this set for this time. Some news is coming in a little bit. I'm also gonna have this story set for this other time. And I, and you said, you know, and then you said, I'm going to the run. I'm going, I'm going to on a run, going to the gym. Are you around to handle it? And I said, yeah, I'm around to handle it. I only have a haircut at two o'clock. We'll be fine. It was like we knew. And I, I don't think we've had one of those morning texts with each other in a while. Uh, it, it was like you knew a few things were going to happen. Today. A little spidey sense going on. Um, so, well, here's why. The, the basketball season, for all intents and purposes, ends Thursday. Guys get back to campus Friday. Um, I think that they knew that these two guys were going, and it takes typically two days to get into the portal system and everything. Um, the more we think about it now, the fact that they said no to the CBI, maybe we romanticize the fact that they maybe knew something about the NIT. They probably knew they weren't going to make the NIT either. So... Yeah, fresh start, I guess. And here's the thing, like, if you made a case about them playing in the CBI, it was because Kobe Johnson, Seth Wilson, Isaiah Cottrell, Jalen Bridges, and maybe they knew. Um, and I guess we can just get into these two here. 
Well, let, let me ask you this, because I had this discussion with Justin Jackson when he pinched it for you on the podcast. Um, Cottrell is the one guy that I, I thought was a flight risk in that I just think that he was the most poachable player. And what I mean by that is that's somebody who could get into a player's ear or or somebody who could get into the camp's ear. So if he's got people, if he's got handlers, whatever, you could talk to him and say, hey, you want to jack 23 footers with a really good point <laughs> guard in another conference? Like, I think he could do that. And if you had, think of it this way, too. If you had an expansion draft and assets you could protect, he would be my number one because I just think that he's that much of a risk to go somewhere else if the right message was said to the right person. And here we are, not even a week from that conversation. And He's in the portal, and, and he is going to get a ton of attention because you just do not see ability like that. Um, did he have all the ability this year? No, but let's not forget, like, devastating injury. Um, his last season doesn't count, so he's got a re- like he's got everything you need to go in and go somewhere else and play three full years. Um, I, I just think that it's upward and downward for him, and I think that he can be picky about finding the right spot. I think he's going to get suitors, and, and again, if he's cast right, he's a very effective player. That one, I think, hurts just because it's hard to find players like him. I like that we're, I like that we're, I don't want to say we're disagreeing, but I like that we're not going to agree, but we're not disagreeing. Because when you ask me about these two players right here, I think the bigger loss is Bridges. And we'll get into why and maybe why not um, for both of these guys. Uh, but with Cottrell, you kind of touched on it there that, that, the, the the positives, how many times do you have a six foot ten guy who can shoot from three and is athletic? That is extremely rare. So and he and has three years of eligibility remaining. So uh, you know, hey, he's gonna he's going to be recruited. This isn't one of those situations where he's going to transfer and you know end up at some D two school or some very small division one school and, and kind of just fade off um into oblivion as as uh, Mike Tyson once said. He's going to get recruited, but trying to find the silver lining from the West Virginia side of things. And of what was the conversation all year long about the lineups, the combinations, how it works, who works well? Why does Huggins keep playing player X in these situations? It's not working. All the numbers say it's not working. Your boy, Evan Miyagawa, ratings for everybody on West Virginia's team. Ten players qualified, uh, you know, played enough to qualify for this. Uh, at the top, Gabe Osaboyan, 39.2. Uh, Tash Sherman, 29. Kobe, and so on. Everybody is positive, except for one player. The, the number nine player on the team, Katie Johnson, who was plus 5.7. That's number the second worst player on the team, plus 5.7. Isaiah Cottrell, in last... At negative 14.2, the difference between the ninth best player and the 10th best player on West Virginia's team from Katie Johnson to Isaiah Cottrell, according to their performance this season, is the equivalent of the difference between like West Virginia's ninth best player and their fourth best player, their third, fourth best player. So it's their third best. It's it's significant um, how poorly West Virginia performed when he was on the court this season. And we saw it with his, uh, his minutes declining as the year went along, his role diminishing uh, really up until kind of, I felt like the last few games and maybe then, I don't know if the numbers will bear this out. I, I feel like it with my own two eyes and my faulty failing older memory that he kind of started gunning a little bit from deep 
as the year went on and played more of that stretch four that it, most everybody thinks he is rather than that traditional five when he's not a traditional five. Fair enough. What was the game where he was like four of 13? Was it Kansas State on the road or TC on the road? Kansas, uh, State, can't, yeah, Kansas State on the road, five of was, 14. It's one of the most intriguing games of the year because he sat for like the final eight game, eight main, minutes of that game in a close game. And I think it was because he was feeling it. Uh, he was Philip Seymour Hoffman in um, Along Came Polly. And that, like, wait, that was uh, because Gabe was suspended, but not. And was that that game? Gabe was suspended, yeah. but not. And and Damone Kerrigan was mysteriously not allowed to play the entire first half, but no mention of that either. So, and, and, and yeah, you're right, though. I think like that first half, it was it felt like the offense was centered around him. That Huggins said, we are game planning for you to fire away. And he did. Let me counter you. Counter you. How dare you use Evan against me, Chris? Um, <laughs> two player lineup combinations. Again, it's not two on two basketball. I understand that. But when you look at some of their best two player combinations, uh, if you're going by him, you're going by adjusted team efficiency margin, which means it's the difference between how many points you score per 100 less how many points you allow per 100. Um, the best ones on the team, Kobe Johnson, Polly Polycap, Taz Sherman, Kobe Johnson, Kerrigan, Seth Wilson. These are small sample sizes. Um, number five on the team with a larger sample size, 191 possessions on offense, 197 on defense. That's the third most frequent one of among a top performer is Gabe Osaboyan and Isaiah Cottrell. Cottrell is not playing the five in that situation. Osaboyan is. Um, I just think that he has been miscast as a five and having to do things on defense and maybe also offense as a five um, in a lineup with Osaboyan or a five. And he's the four and Jalen Bridges is the three. That's how that's supposed to function. Uh, Bridges had to play a lot of four this year and wasn't particularly effective when he had to do that. Um, that's the price of playing three guards. When you start Kedrian Johnson, Taz Sherman, Sean McNeil, and you want to have some firepower, I, I'm, I'm okay with putting Bridges at the four, but now you're playing Cottrell at the five and, and that does come with some collateral damage. But when you look at situations, um, his numbers with Polycap are, are similar too. Not quite as emphatic because Polycap doesn't score as much, but neither does Osaboyan Osa really, but he could. But when you put Cottrell at the four and have an actual five or someone who does five stuff, which is not Cottrell's suit, um, he's a better player. And that's why I think if you send him somewhere now where he can pick and pop, um, I remember the start of that Texas game, a couple pick and rolls where he dived to the basket, caught one, scored. Um, caught one, got fouled, faded, hit a three, and they just didn't do a lot of pick-and-roll basketball this year because they didn't have a pick-and-roll point guard. If he ends up on a team that can pick-and-roll, and he either is the screener or he's the guy that catches the ball when they screen the screener and he's open for threes, like he's he's just a tricky guy. Is he a starter? Is he all-conference? I don't know, but there's, there's just some asset potential there that wasn't realized here. Um, on Bridges, though, that's, that's the guy who's going to go somewhere now and is going to be, I would imagine, one of the I don't know who's in there three weeks from now when the tournament's over, but Bridges is going to be a pretty coveted property. Yes, he is. I think that was the guy that, again, if you're asking me about these two, I think I'd be a little more worried about losing him, partly because I felt like he could do anything. I feel like he has the ability and the athleticism to play on the wing, 
to maybe play that four in in some looks, as you mentioned there, when you're really trying to get an offensive firepower going or trying to get some more pace going. He's a guy that can play the four, or you could have him at a three. That's I think that's his more traditional position, and even at two <clears throat> if you went really big. So I think he's got a lot of versatility. I think he can defend. I think he can shoot. I think he can dribble. Problem is, what was the other comparison that I made of him? Maybe it was two times ago on the podcast with you. Or, it's or, valid. It remains valid. Yeah, because it was it was Emmett Matthews. Mm-hmm. It, it was he was a guy that I felt like could do anything, but oftentimes didn't do anything and, and would disappear for long stretches, entire games at times, and. <clears throat> And we saw that again uh, with him this year. I mean, he had a, a zero-point game in a, in a close game at home against Texas. I think when a game when he was really needed, he only played 14 minutes. I mean, he got benched quick. Uh, no points, one rebound. Um, over the course of, from the Big 12 SEC Challenge on. So that is a month and a half of games. He was on the court for an average of 28 minutes. So it's not like he didn't have the opportunity to do anything. He was on the court for an average of 28 minutes in those games and scored seven points, four rebounds, one assists, one assist, and shot 40% from the floor and 30% from three. I, that, that's a subpart. That's a, that is this, this statistically, because me personally, I think he has the potential to be very, very good. Statistically, that is a subpar starter by a, a large margin in this conference. What's what's the casting for him? I mean, I laid out my my scenario for Cottrell. Bridges, I would I would maybe beg to differ with you a little bit. I'm not sure he's a great player off the bounce right now, or that he would get there. It's not been what he's done. He's a, he's been a catch and shoot guy. Um, he was not a prolific scorer in high school either. Now, granted, he was a guy in high school, and everybody knew that, so he probably had unique attention to him on defense. But you figure. Maybe he would learn to run off the three-point line and, and get to the basket in high school to use that in college. Never really happened. Um, not a great defender. Not a consistent rebounder. We remember the tales, and this is this is obviously, I would say, purposefully exaggerated, but the end of the 1920 season, he was evidently the best rebounder on the team. He just happened to not be eligible to play, right? <laughs> um, but, but what struck me this year was that even when he wasn't shooting early on, he was a positive because he could do other things. Again, not a great defender, but he could fit in and do things. And he was rotating, and, and one of the few veterans who was playing and knew what to do and could do it. Um, he would block shots. He would get in passing lanes. He was good, and he wasn't scoring. He could rebound, and he wasn't scoring. If he wasn't scoring, he would get in the glass, shoot free throws, shoot one-footers, whatever, and that faded. And I just wonder if, if at a time where a player thinks he should be blossoming, he kind of gets tired of the mundane stuff where at manufacturing points and serving a purpose beyond points. And that's a hard thing. Sometimes Um, it's a hard thing for players to realize that you are still valuable and also needed. If, and when you're not scoring points, I thought he had that kind of under his belt early in the season and and it went away. And it's just not a guy who had a ton of moves and, and who didn't post up very often or very effectively didn't play a lot of confidence, seemed extremely frustrated at the end of the season I don't know what you put him in, or how you cast him, what what the right lineup situation cast of characters around him is. What do you think? I love the idea of him as I mean, I, if, if we've caught a theme onto some of my pitches for what West Virginia should be doing, uh, it's that I like the more fast paced, spread it out kind of style. 
with some of the guys who are on the team. I love the idea of him at the four, but as you noted, it can't be, it cannot be with um, Cottrell at the five. That just doesn't work. And, and so I think you have to get it going because part of, and, and you have to go with a big man and a big man. I'm not sure they had it this year. You know, they had guys that could play the five, but there were obviously deficiencies. No true five as much as they tried through the transfer portal, as much as they tried with Gabe and and all the good things that Gabe does, all the good things that Kerrigan and Polycap were able to do. No true five that could play next to Bridges in that four. Just somebody to just eat up rebounds, really. Um, but because there's something else, and, and I we're doing an emergency podcast, so... Somebody will probably run the numbers behind me, but a quick glance and a quick thought that popped popped in my head, then a quick glance at the game logs. If he's not scoring and shooting, he's not doing anything. He like I, I did. I, I mean, he did at the beginning of the year, like you said, he could rebound, he could play defense, but statistically, like the games where he's also grabbing rebounds and the games where he's also getting steals and blocks, he's scoring. He sh- or he's at least shooting. Uh, you know, the pit game, five block shots also made mm-hmm. or scored 18 points. You go up and you look at the Oklahoma State game where you had a season high 22 points, three blocks, a steal, five rebounds. Even in the Kansas game, he had 12 points, which is a, a, a solid number. It's above his average, like 50 percent above his average. But he got 11 shots. So he was involved in the offense. He was shooting a lot. He had 11 rebounds a season high. So every time that he gets involved in the offense, when he is shooting, when he is, I want to say scoring, but I think it's just having the ability to shoot. Uh, he is doing the other things as well. It's like it, it, it pumps life into him on the court, which is a positive and a negative. You shouldn't need to be able to shoot 12 times for you to give effort on, on defense or on the glass. should be doing that anyway. But uh, he is a guy. Again, that's why it gets, kind of gives me this thought that he could be really good when he wants to assert himself for the entirety of the game. It's the worst combination on the team, by the way, Cottrell and Bridges, as far as the lineup goes. Going back to Evan Miyakawa's stuff, adjusted team efficiency, that goes on the quality opponent, who's playing for the other team uh, at that moment there on the floor together. Um, They played 558 offensive possessions, 554 defensive possessions. It's a lot. Um, They were outscored by almost 11 points. Um, per 100 possessions. So you're figuring across 500 possessions, 55 points, right? That's, that's a lot. I mean, that's that's a big deal. And then weighted chemistry, this is, this is again, very analytical stuff, but basically weighted chemistry is we're going to consider all the factors, who you're playing with, who you're playing against, the quality of your teammates, the quality of the, the opposition, pace, all that stuff. Um, their score is minus 149.5. The second leading... I guess, trailing combination is negative 77.9. So almost half. And it happened to be Jalen Bridges and Kedrian Johnson. So you're, you're kind of getting a theme here. This is it a less of more. I think that's kind of what you're or a, a, a better off without them kind of a thing. I think that maybe what you're leaning toward, Chris, or at least like you can't assume that they're going to be better. But there is certainly a way to look at this and say these were negatives this year. Perhaps they're better off, which leads to this. Who and how now? Because. We were wondering if they were going to have between one and three scholarships, three at most, depending on the decisions that Sean McNeil and Kedrian Johnson make. Do they come back for their next year? Don't know. Now the minimum is three more scholarships, up to five. You're looking at between seven and nine new players next year on a 13 scholarship limit. 
Not great, Chris. No, not great, but not unheard of either. Um, <laughs> uh, amazingly. Timely story. Uh, well-timed. The story this morning, this is like that timeout story that I wrote, and, and then an hour later, uh, comments about the timeouts uh, from football season. But I talked about the Bob Huggins fixing it and went back and looked, and, and you know, he's had this will be the fifth time a Bob Huggins coach team has had a losing record. The first two were both his first year at a new school. So those don't even – I mean, and in first year at a new school, that was bad. So I don't even feel like we can count those for this kind of comparison. The other two, obviously the 2012-2013 season at West Virginia and the 2018-2019 season at West Virginia. In both cases, uh, was it 14 total, 15 total departures in the offseason from those teams? Most of those transfers, not graduation, transfers, guys leaving. And a lot of new talent coming in. And I think those are the two things that I try to take away. Because that's where, that's how I started on this story was, hey, there's the two other times this has happened with Huggins at West Virginia. How did it get fixed? What's happening right now in this offseason? And one of the things, the main thing was just a complete and total roster overhaul. Because a lot of guys out, a whole lot of guys out. Like I said, average of seven or eight in those two years. And then a whole lot of new guys in and the contributors for the ensuing season or the two seasons later when the team was back in the NCAA tournament, back in the top 25. Only like one or two were on the team when they were bad. So the the, the people who helped lift the team back up were not bench guys that were on the roster, were not guys who got better in their second or third year. They were, you know, they were not the Jalen Bridges or the Isaiah Cottrells. They were the new guys coming in. They were the Deuce McBrides. They were the Daxter Miles, Devin Williams, Elijah Macon. You know, these are the guys that came in and made a difference in that offseason and into the new year and helped the bounce back. So these massive departures, not surprising at all. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, more happened. I mean, it's just the way it is right now, I feel like. But it, it's going to be some massive overhaul and there's going to be some new guys coming in. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Bob Huggins, or our representative out in Kansas. Oh, I have an update on that, by the way. Oh, well, they're out in Kansas for the National Junior College Tournament, um, and now they suddenly have a whole bunch of, like, draw four cards in their hand <laughs> um, because they can they can do some things now that they couldn't. I don't know how many junior college guys you want, except I've, I've said this, I maintain this. I, I do think it's an option because, one, the transfer portal has made the more mature, more immediate response guys – as opposed to waiting on high school recruits to wait a year or two, like you're getting guys with some experience, some 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 grit to them. You're not seeing a lot of junior college guys because of the popularity of the transfer portal. There are good players out there, and then the national tournament is going to be a showcase for them. You had a story about who they're looking at, who they have connections to, and there were some impressive players at positions I think they're going to go for. Um, I had a conversation with someone last week. They were looking at a one, three, and a five, which made sense. Three was kind of a weird thing, but they didn't really have a three 
beyond bridges last year and he played a lot of four, but definitely a point guard now a wing and a center seem like obvious things they have to have. There are players out there too. Um, Huggins is also going to be on, <laughs> on uh, television doing a analysis with Frank Martin. I'm assuming Chris, they'll have a conversation about Bryce Lindsay, who is, you know, uh, a three-star combo guard in South Carolina's recruiting class, who has now opened up his commitment because Frank Martin is no longer going to be the coach. Um, a pretty impressive list of offers there. 6'3", 180 score from Baltimore, Maryland. Um, they could go a bunch of different avenues here, too, because, again, there are going to be players who wait, always wait in this this class to either sign, commit, or decommit because of a coaching change, and there's going to be many. There might be a, an option to get some high-level high school players as well. The point is that West Virginia's in the game right now. I'm sure they have a plan Um I guess we'll begin with where do you think this goes and also what are your updates there? So the first update, you mentioned it because I, I wasn't sure which way to go in my story originally that went up. Was that Monday morning or Tuesday morning? I think it was whichever day it was. I said I had multiple sources telling me things and it was Huggins or an assistant coach at the National Junior College Championships in Hutchinson, um, Kansas. Uh, change that or to and and also, it will continue. Uh, both Huggins and an assistant coach were at the NJ, NJCAA tournament to begin the week, uh, the first couple round games. Uh, I'm told, Obviously, Huggins is going to be leaving for the CBS thing. I believe he has a stop on the way. I may have an update on that in the morning as well. But a an assistant coach will be at the NJCAA tournament continuing moving forward. So it, first off, Obviously, they this is a, an avenue they want to take. If they are going to send their head coach and an assistant coach, maybe a second assistant coach, and stay there for multiple days, which they already have and will continue to do, I'm told, this is a, this is an option they want, they like, and they're going to pursue it. Um, this is getting the left-hander up in the bullpen and then the right-hander right after him because you're going to make some changes and you're going to have one guy face one batter and one guy coming – well, three batters now, but – you need arms ready, and you're going to go in, and you're going to close this thing. So they're having all hands literally on deck here, huh? Yeah, I mean that's what it sounds like. Because, and I, I think when we reported this, and I mentioned in the story, so I don't know why there was still confusion, but this tournament is different than the NCAA tournament uh, right. for obvious reasons, but also because it's all held in one place. It is more like a national AAU tournament or a Nike uh, EYBL league type uh, tournament where. Games and all all teams, all games, they're all played in one place. So you can go as a college coach or an assistant coach, scout, whatever, and sit in one place for a week and see dozens of games and see hundreds of athletes. See, see, you know, probably, you know, obviously you're not going to recruit all those guys, but you can see a lot of play people that you are interested in and that you could use in one spot. So it is a very efficient use of your time especially right now and especially because and this is this is a, a two-pronged point here one in the because you're going to hear a lot of people say oh look this is only happening to west virginia again look they're losing two starters it's only happening in west virginia it, it's only happening in west virginia right now because everyone else's season is still going on mm-hmm. like west virginia is one of the very handful of teams that isn't playing in some postseason tournament so once those team season in, once some team loses in the first round of the NIT, they're going to lose a starter or two to the transfer portal. 
once some team loses in the Sweet 16, they're going to lose a starter to the transfer portal. So, point there, it's going to happen to others as well. I, I don't want to do this whole, it's only happening in West Virginia thing. It's not good that it's happening in West Virginia. I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying it's going to continue to happen, and other teams are going to lose players moving forward. Second point of this, why would you not go to this junior college option when the actual transfers aren't even available yet, when they're not even in the portal yet? You can't even talk to them yet. You can't see them yet. So you go see the junior college players now. And then in a week or two, when all these other teams' seasons come to an end and their players enter the transfer portal, then you turn your focus to those guys. Interesting. Okay. I'm, I'm making my pitch for recruiting coordinator. How's it going? Uh, which leads me to this here, too. Uh, <laughs> listen, they're, they're going to have to do something with their staffing, I believe. Just I don't know what's it, if all three will come back. I just, I just wonder how you... I just wonder how you run it back. Um, if you're talking about changing things and shaking things up, then I just... I don't think you shake the snow globe and tell certain snowflakes to stay put. Um, I think that when you do stuff like this, there's going to be a lot of things that move around. So definitely be keeping an eye on that. So we'll keep an eye on who's on the road, who's not, uh, in addition to who they're looking at and who's not. But right now, by all indications, all the assistant coaches are working and are out doing things. Um, so perhaps that they haven't rounded that corner yet. Uh, there's a very obvious Frank Martin, Bob Huggins thing happening right now, too. Um, this is going to be... I would say highly entertaining television. It could be really good exposure for Bob Huggins to be, you know, out on television. And, and he's got a personality. He's going to be funny. He's going to have insight and things like that. If if he chooses to unleash that side of him and, and perhaps that opens some people up and say, that guy looks like a fun guy to play with. Because the truth is that it doesn't look like a fun situation right now. And, and that probably leads me to this, too. If you're a guy like Cottrell and a guy like Bridges, you need a point guard to get you the ball. You really can't do a whole lot of things on your own authentically or organically. It'd be great if you had a one who could facilitate you. Bridges has kind of a prolonged set shot. Um, Cottrell, he's got to get that ball above his head. That takes time, too. So, again, guys who have to catch it in a good spot and shoot it. And you saw that was not a thing that even really good shooters like Sherman and McNeil could do this year. Quite possibly, those guys looked in the future and said, I'm not going to have a point guard who I know or trust or who has experience or talent getting me the ball next year. And I know we want to we want to talk about the way they play and, and what they did not or could not do this season, but it, it is sometimes about who's around you and who can get you the ball. And if you're staring into that crystal ball, that magic eight ball, whatever, and you say, someone here going to get me the ball, if you don't know, you don't know. And the point of their mission now is they can go someplace and they could they could do search filters, for example, and just say, all right, who's got a point guard coming back? Who's got an all-conference or a potential all-conference point guard? Where can I catch balls 20 feet from the basket and shoot open threes or catch it? nab a guy who's closing out me and I, and I step into a 12 footer where can I just do the things that are best for me it's a lot easier for them when they're on this foot forward in the portal and and rather than waiting and hoping for something to happen here too so I think Mike, it's easy to yeah I'm sorry I cannot believe your unbelievable timing oh god just okay I'm not I really just now literally 31 seconds ago according to my tweet deck Kedrian Johnson no I'm back, baby. Unfinished oh. business. Okay. West Virginia's West got a point guard. What are you talking about, man? Do they? Because <laughs> they're they're out there looking for a one for sure. Yeah. That that might be their priority. But hey, that's listen. We have an answer there. There's one less question mark. Yeah, I'm not cracking jokes on Keedy Johnson. We've talked about it before. He's. I mean, there are very few players. Man, nobody on this team that was a perfect player. He is a flawed player, but he does do some things very well. And again, we keep referencing these numbers. Uh, going back to the Evan Mia Kala numbers, 
and and he was good. He, statistically, he was. I mean, was he top two or three? No, but he was productive, especially. And I think he got better. I felt like he got better as the year went along. Um, and so this is. I would say this is good news for West Virginia. Yeah. Again, that's that's a really good defender for a team that did not play good defense. And when his defense dipped, is when he just couldn't move anymore. Um, yeah. His hips and legs were were not great at the end of the season. So, hey, um, but listen, is that their one next year? Maybe. Is that the one that solves the problems, that pulls Cottrell and Bridges out of the portal? I don't know about that. And I have a hard time believing that they coordinate this news this way. Goodbye, goodbye, I'm back. I don't think it goes that way. So um, I think these things are sometimes explained a lot easier than perhaps the reaction, which is, we'll forget you. If you don't want to be with us, you're now against us. We'll see. Um, I got a feeling you'll see one of these two guys on the other end of the floor sometime soon hmm. how about that i know what that's about i don't want to name it but like there's there's a connection out there somewhere that i don't think it's a secret um but i wouldn't be surprised if one of these two is is an opponent next year we'll see that'll be that'll be a fun game by the way both, both highly recruited players too so they i mean yeah. it would not be i mean a surprise if I mean, they had a lot of people that went after him, both Cottrell and Bridges, so sure, that could happen, too. The other bit of news, Chris, uh, for the first time in a long, long time, a new women's basketball coach. This is something, um, it was very strange. They accepted a WNIT invitation with a 500 record on Sunday. On Monday, the athletic director comes out and says, well, actually, no. And they say, oh, injuries and transfers, um, that didn't happen overnight. They didn't just discover a bunch of transfers and injuries afterwards. And the wheels were in motion. We, we kind of suspected that um, there would be a change. We just didn't know how it was going to happen. Resignation, retirement, termination? I don't know. Uh, Mike Carey, not a secret. He'd been talking about retiring for, I don't know how serious the conversation ever is when it starts, but it, it wasn't a new thing. I don't really even cover women's basketball too often. Uh, I don't know him all too well because I don't cover it that often, but I know him would say hi to me if I saw him, things like that. I didn't have any intel there, but that's how I knew still enough that people had talked about him possibly retiring. It wasn't a secret. And it turns out he does retire, but one year left in his contract. Some strange things have happened in addition to the WNIT thing, but um, I, I just think about where it was when he was hired and where it is now. Um, a heck of a job, a, a pretty great legacy for him. Turnover on his staff, turnover on his roster, but really got a lot out of a program that did not have a whole lot of and, and didn't get a ton of luxuries and an influx of this or that too. Uh, it got harder for him in the big 12, but he won a big 12 tournament. Um, he got a number two seed in the NCAA tournament. He had a 30 win season. It's done an awful lot here for a long time. Uh, as we say, well, the, the three year or four years before he arrived, the team went won 33 games total in four years. Um, and he had what one, one losing season, the entire time that he was at West Virginia, and he has been here this literally this entire um, century, mm-hmm. or no, well, two thousand one, um, and had one losing season fifteen years ago, sixteen mm-hmm. years ago. Um, that's something you know that, that he can be proud of, should be proud of. Team obviously did good things. A couple rough years here lately. Uh, you know, this year, as you mentioned, closer to five hundred. 500, a um, couple NIT bids instead of NCAA bids, but still a solid run uh, for a very long time, um, really turning the program around from just some really bad years um, there in the in the 1990s and 
right at the turn of the century. I sent you a DM okay. on. I thought you meant you just sent one just now. Whenever you send me a DM while we're podcasting, that means something went wrong. February 20. Mm -hmm. Credible Intel. This would be Mike Carey's last year. Yep. Um, It it was not a, it was not a surprise. Um, And it's not a great thing either though. I'm very interested in the direction that they'll go here. I, I know they say national search. I think they've got a list here and what do you do here? Because there are some, there are some familial or familiar names. You could get the coach of Boston College, who's been here as a bench on the bench before. You can get the women's coach at Glenville. Went pretty good the last time they got a coach out of the Wibiac and came to the WVU women's basketball. That would be Mike Carey. Um, I, I do think that they have some ideas about going out there and saying, this is a program that's made a lot of tournaments, has a great practice facility, plays in a 14,000-seat gym. It's in a Power 5 conference. You're going to get home games against Texas Tech, Texas Baylor every year. Um, there's a lot. Iowa State, I should mention too, a great program every season. They need to have a big hire because it's it's not what they walked into before. Uh, I, I don't mean this in a way to denigrate Mike Carey's situation, but that was like Rutgers and UConn, two powers. Don't get me wrong, but you might get a Villanova in there every so often. You might get a Louisville when they came in. They were they were a good program, but. You didn't have a lineup like you have in the Big 12 here, but like you need to compete. And I think they're going to go out and they're going to really try to spend on this and go for it. Kerry made pretty good money, I think in excess of $700,000 a year. Um, will they spend all that in one person? I don't know. I'd also say that Mike Kerry's last contract, do you know when he signed it, Chris? Think about all he's done, like like 31 seasons, won the Big 12 tournament, number two seed in the tournament, made the NCAAs, April of 2016. Hmm. He won the Big 12 tournament the, the next year uh, and just did not have his contract uh, changed. His amendments came in the following year for performance incentives, but um, a, a long contract that was never addressed or amended, and, and he goes out now. So they might have to be a little bit more forthcoming about what their plans are for regularly updating the women's team. But I don't know. There, there's a lot to like there. I think it's going to be an interesting job that's going to get a lot of people from maybe head coaching positions, but also you know high level assistants too. Will be be interesting to see what they, what they do. They've had they've had a pretty good eye for hires. You think about Stratford is one, and, which is an easy one from Division Two. You think about um, uh, the volleyball coach Sunahara mm-hmm. from Cincinnati. He's worked out really well. Tim Flynn looked like he was a, a a regional hire that made a lot of sense. Hasn't clicked for him, but it's a hard job too. But they they seem to win the press conference sometimes, and, and they've had they've had some good hires too in in smaller capacities. Even baseball is obviously not not Shane Lyons, but he's kept him here. That's good. So their small sports success has been good, and this will be an important one. I'm very very interested to see what they do and, and what avenue they choose to take for a replacement. Yeah, I feel like these are these kind of hires, the hires that are not for for football and men's basketball you know the two the two major revenue sports once you get outside of that i think those are a lot those might end up being more difficult than some of the football and basketball hires just because so much attention is paid to those two that you gotta like a lot of people have a pretty good idea of 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 who the good coaches are who are the up-and-coming coaches but uh, you talked about when uh west virginia hired neil brown and you talked about shane Lyons having a list he always has a list on hand for those kind of things I, I imagine it is a lot more difficult to have a list for some of these other sports, some of the, the, the non-revenue sports, if you will. And, and so you really have to be good at your job to make those good hires. And so far, West Virginia has been that. Should be fun. Are you going to do the hot board, Chris? 
Uh, I'm gonna leave that to you. That's that. That's your oh, realm. How nice. How nice. I don't want to encroach on your territory. Mm. I'll be in the gym. <laughs> Can't do it. Sorry. Okay. Well, hopefully nothing else happens. We we joked that something might happen by the time we publish this. It did. KJ and Johnson, welcome back. Um, he'd be a great two guard next season. Yeah. Add some weight. Rehab that hip. Trust yourself going to the basket. Finish around the rim. That'd be great. Really high scorer in junior college. He was hard to stop off the bounce. Uh, it's hard to play point guard when you're not a point guard. But served amicably this year. Amicably? Was he nice? Mm-hmm. No. Surge, he served ably this season. But again, there you go. maybe a little miscast. And if you get if you get the right guys and the right clothes, they look a lot better on the court. And, and that might be as, as much of a, a chore or a goal for the offseason as as exists right now. But um, I guess we'll keep our, our, our eyes open and... and our DMs and our PMs also, because that's where a lot of stuff seems to happen right now. As always, things always happen at night, Chris. Um, people get home from work. They have some brown liquid. They all of a sudden feel like they can talk and answer questions. So so who knows? <laughs> who knows? But uh, it's only early afternoon right here. I'm sure more will happen before uh, before too long. huh? I can't believe soda does that to people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, die Dr. Pepper, right? Yep. Well, go crack one open, Chris. I think you've earned it. Busy day for you. Until then, I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. Talk to you next time.